How many warriors are here in this place? A lot of you. Okay. I'm going to give you a word for warriors. This isn't for Sunday school kids. This is for warriors. This is a word that I shared with our leaders. I'm going to share it with you. And I want you to know it's not personal for every one of you, for any one of you. It's, it's for all of us. If the shoe fits, take it off. Right? It first came to me. And it's been a knife to my heart, causing a deeper work of heart circumcision to bring a greater humbling, a deeper surrender, and a fear of God to grip my heart. Not everyone's going to hear this the same way. Um, Many of us live in safe communities. where the gathering storm clouds are not affecting us too much yet, right? First John 1, 8 through 10 says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Those those verses, by the way, were written to believers. Because there's been a lot of rhetoric out of some fringe parts of the grace movement that wants to say that Christians don't need to repent. That they repented when they got saved, now they don't need to repent anymore. This is written to believers. It's time to re-examine, revisit, and renew. Many of us started on our spiritual journey with great commitment, much repentance, cleansing of hearts, and new paths to walk in. Over the years, we decided that some of our early zeal was more religion than genuine conviction. And so we let down our guard and started indulging in things that once troubled our consciences. We cooled off in our spiritual zeal and started trying to convince others that they didn't need to be so extreme in their faith. We used to hear clearly from the Lord, but now we rarely do. We decided it's not necessary to be so tuned to the voice of God all the time. In other words, we've become living examples of the Laodicean church. Lukewarm and without enough passion to convict anyone who comes into our presence. That is, unless they find themselves looking in the mirror and seeing a reflection of their own lukewarm selves. The Hebrews left Egypt on the strength of the Passover lamb, which is Jesus. They got the leaven out of their lives and tents, which is sin. The Feast of Unleavened Bread, though, was an annualized event. It wasn't just a one-shot deal. Leaven or sin should never be something that we make peace with. If we're no longer convicted of things that Holy Spirit wants to cleanse our lives of, 
we should consider if we're even hearing him anymore on a personal level. Maybe our gifts still work because they are without repentance. But how long has it been since we've hit the altar repenting of something Holy Spirit is convicting us of? We never outgrow this need. And those who think they do may find themselves among the growing number of believers, even leaders, who have secret sin exposed and bring reproach to the one who saved them. Without ongoing cleansing, we cannot grow into maturity and fulfillment of our kingdom purpose. There are some things God will not entrust to those who have become casual in their relationship with Him. He's preparing a bride with lamps lit and oil to spare. When we started on this journey, many of us saw signs and wonders, miraculous deliverances, supernatural provision, divine encounters. It seemed that a supernatural journey would be a way of life for us. We would cry out to the Lord, and he would answer in ways that were often shocking to us. Then it seemed that signs and wonders ceased. Miracles didn't happen the way they used to. And we made peace with a more normal way of life. But we remember, and sometimes we wonder. Those supernatural happenings were actually a prophetic glimpse into our future. Foundations needed to be laid. Things needed to come into balance. Faith needed to work together with patience. And all of that needed to be tested. Now, as we re-examine our hearts, revisit our relationship with Jesus, and renew our commitment, we can expect to re-enter the supernatural realms we formerly tasted of. That, now, that is a prophetic word for all of us. If, if we get this stuff right, we will re-enter into a realm beyond anything we experienced before. It is essential to the calling God has on our lives and is stirring anew within us that we realize we can't fulfill this in our own strength. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Amen? There's a shaking. There's a call to repentance and surrender that's being released to those who have ears to hear. I have endeavored for the last 30 years to develop one thing above everything else, and that is my life as a son. My identity as a son is the most important identity in my life. It trumps every other aspect of my relationship with God or people, is my identity as a son of God. And I hope it does for every one of us. It's our relationship as a son or a daughter of the Lord. And, and I can tell you, in my journey with the Lord as a son, he brings me under discipline. Whenever there's a time that goes by where I am not being corrected, I am not being disciplined, I am not coming under the disciplining hand of the Lord, for a while I start getting nervous. Because I know what Scripture says about those who aren't disciplined. They're illegitimate children. And I don't ever want to fall into that category. 
No price is too high for me to pay to grow into my kingdom purpose and potential and my identity as a son of God. Paul, after everything, he said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. What? Most Christians think that's a given. I think we need to wake up and realize salvation's free. But our kingdom inheritance and destiny that we need to press into is not just a cakewalk. It's something we need to be willing to sacrifice, to commit ourselves to. The Lord has called this body to shake the nations. And I know that may, that may sound extreme. We're not the only ones who are. But the Lord has called us to carry dominion over the powers of darkness and to bring major kingdom advancement to our region and to the nations that we're called to. And we're not going to be able to do that with a casual walk with him. It's going to require sacrifice. It's going to require commitment. It's going to require a level of commitment that most of the body of Christ, at least in the Western world, knows very little of. Despite our best efforts to avert the shaking that's going on in the world, to bring a different outcome, it's here. There's a shaking going on in the nations right now. Haggai says in, verse, in chapter 2, verse 6, Thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it's a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and the dry land. Now, let me put that in a little bit of different interpretation. The heaven where God dwells, the third heaven, is not going to shake. The heavens are going to shake. The heavens where the enemy has operated and built his principalities and strongholds, that's going to shake. That is shaking. Amen? I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. The, the result of all this shaking, don't wring your hands over the shaking that's going on. Because the result is the harvest that's been prophesied at the end of the age. They shall come to the desire of all nations. That's Jesus. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than that of the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Hebrews 12 gives us another glimpse of this shaking. Hebrews 12, 25 says, See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he's promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of those things that are made that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Now, the voice that shook the earth was the voice that spoke at Sinai. It, it was so terrified Moses that he said, I'm exceedingly afraid and trembling. And yet he went up and, and encountered God on Mount Sinai. Okay, Now 
yet once more, the voice of God is going to shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. There are principalities that are shaking now that have been in place since the days of the old, uh, way, way back in the days of Daniel. There are principalities being shaken and are getting ready to be removed by kingdom warriors that are rising up now that have been in place for thousands of years. I'm hearing reports from different intercessory groups around the world that the Lord is actually giving them insight into how to bring down strongholds and principalities that have been in place for over nations and kept in captivity for long. It's, there's no wonder that things are shaking right now. Because, and the Lord is causing the shaking. Because the Lord is not okay with the enemy keeping his grip on the nations of the earth anymore. And so things are in turmoil, and they're going to be in turmoil. And, but this is an incredible opportunity for every son and daughter of the Lord to find their place in the Lord's army and begin to commit themselves and surrendering themselves to do what God has required and called every one of us to do to make a difference. And I tell you, it, it's up to us whether we're going to live for time or live for eternity. It's up to us. And this thing, this thing is becoming... Uh, something that's gripping my heart. And yeah, I'm older than a lot of you. Maybe I'm a little closer to eternity than some of you. But I think if I was 25 years old, I'd be feeling the same way. Because it's so real to me that what I'm building for here in this world is, is shifting sand. And what I'm building for for eternity is like this life is only a vapor and I'm going to be re enjoying the rewards of whatever I give myself to here in this world for eternity yeah. when the church starts talking about words like kingdom and dominion the enemy starts getting nervous you know the enemy didn't get all that nervous about the gospel of salvation Right? Bring people to an altar at a mass crusade, and the statistics show that most of them will fall away. Unless there's been a net properly prepared to receive this harvest and disciple people and to bring them into fellowship in the body of Christ, most, the, the retention rate on those mass crusades is pretty small. I believe in mass crusades, but I also believe in a net being built to contain that harvest when you bring it in. We're actually strategizing with some of our South American leaders and hopefully soon uh, Albanian leaders uh, in those areas. Um, but the enemy starts stirring up accusations against the church uh, when we start talking about words like kingdom and dominion. Because, oh, the church is now trying to take over. They're, going to, they're planning to take over the government. Nothing could be further from the truth. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about exercising dominion over the principalities and powers that have kept God's people in darkness for too long, that kept us in a place where we have to fight and struggle because there's a cloud of oppression over the nations. So he starts stirring up accusations, and Christians who come under these accusations have not read their Bibles too much. Jesus is taking over. Not by a march against the government, 
but by taking dominion over satanic strongholds that have enslaved people for too long. Amen? Therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. So the Lord's warriors are rising. I asked somebody a few weeks ago, do you know why there was giants in the land back in, in, the, early test, in the early Old Testament days? Do you know why there was giants in the land? It's because God's giants had not yet emerged. So there was a void. They're emerging now. Amen? All of creation is longing and waiting for the sons of God to emerge. Read about that in Romans 8. This is our time. I'm not willing to wait for another generation to do what we're called to do. It's our job to take this gospel of the kingdom, not just the gospel of salvation, but the gospel of the kingdom to the nations, beginning with our own community. Now, if you're familiar with the Gideon prophecy that was given to this church years ago, we seem to be at the second downsizing of Gideon's army now. Let me, let me read the prophecy to you. It was given to us by someone who didn't even know us, but he would drive back past the church, and God would minister to him every time he did. And so the Lord gave him this prophecy, and he sent it to us, and it was so impactful that I asked him, I got a hold of him, and I asked him to come and read the prophecy. And it was given on April 8th of 2018. It says, I was visiting your church Sunday morning, April 8th, and while on the way, the presence of God started to fall on me, and I started to receive a word for your church. During the worship, it came full on me in power and clarity. Since I'm a visitor and you didn't know me, giving a word is not acceptable, I'm guessing. So I'll give it to you to decide to receive or throw out. Here's the strong word of the Lord that fell on me Sunday for you. Who are you? Who are you, Freedom Fellowship? I will tell you who you are, says the Lord. You are Gideon. You are the least of these. You are children, but you will fan out and free captives. You will pursue the enemy across the land and over borders. You will tear down monoliths, false places of worship, and I will go before you. You mistakenly look at larger organizations with millions in their budgets to learn what has worked for them. But I say to you, I can do more through you with my spirit in you or on you in a cornfield than I can through them. You'll look to them and imitate, but I say in the future they will come to imitate you. Who are you, Freedom Fellowship? I say you are Gideon. You are children, and I am spirit. I am calling my Gideons, all my children, to do my will. I am spirit, and I'm about to take control of my church, because I can, and this is what is coming. I'm about to take the world through my children, through Gideons, the unassuming, the nobodies, and the unnamed, and when I do, the latter church will not resemble the former church. Through the unassuming, the nobodies, the least of these, I will take my place, and I will reach the world. That is what is coming, and I'm going to use the least of you. The first will be last, and the last will be first, and I will move through you in power. This is not a leadership movement. It is a least of these movement. 
by my leadership through each one, says the Lord. Who will seek me out with all your strength, might, and soul? I say, touch me, and I will touch you. Who are you, Freedom Fellowship? You are Gideon. And through the least of you, I will take my message to the world to rule and reign in your day. To the unnamed, unassuming least of these, keep your eyes fixed on me and not others, for I have assigned you your place. You will lead the charge. These are not words of flattery. They are holy words, says the Lord. And then from the guy who wrote it, he said, Now if you read the word with love, peace, tenderness, and in quiet humility, then it is not a word from me or from my mouth. For I heard this word from the Lord shouted out, as with a loud, thundering voice of authority. Read it in that fashion to your church members to the least, or do not read it at all. I don't know if I gave enough volume, but I tried to give it some oomph. When I heard it, I felt the foundation shake. I felt the core of me melt. So read it as a command with authority and with a thundering voice. God has shown me only a few churches who are coming to take up the lead and a few people who have been assigned to be mighty men and women of God. They are always the least, the unknown and the unassuming, but God has put his mighty spirit on them, a power of authority that is still not obvious or recognizable to others. Yet they are mighty in his kingdom and they will rule by authority. I say to you, you will lead and you will take up the charge, but do not forget your name. You are Gideon and you will lead the Lord's charge. This will come. Etc. It was it was made very clear to me that the COVID pandemic was the first downsizing of Gideon's army. That all the fearful go home. The second one is the army down by the water being tested about their assignment versus their carnal appetites for comfort. Now, I don't know if you remember, I quoted, uh, forget his name, ex-Navy SEAL, uh, who said if 100 men go to battle, 10 of them shouldn't be there. 80 of them are just targets. Nine of them do most of the fighting, and one of them is a warrior. And when I worked those percentages on Gideon's army, it was about the same. He ended up with about 1%. He started out with 32,000, he ended up with 300. I think we've got to get, the Lord told me during 2020, this place is going to be known as the Special Forces Training Camp. And I believe the Lord's gathering warriors here. The second downsizing is now beginning. And this downsizing is when he took the army down to the water, and they were all thirsty, right? Most of them buried their head in the water and forgot about their assignment. All they cared about was indulging their appetite. 300 of them kept their eye on the enemy, brought the water up and drank out of their hands. They didn't forget about their assignment. Do 
Do you realize there's a call to war? Or are you committed to your own comfort? Isaiah 60 verse 1 says, Arise and shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. So this is a very powerful scripture. Darkness and light at an unprecedented level at the same time. When I talk to people, they're either more scared than they ever have been, or they're more excited than they ever have been. Did you notice that? When I talk to people from here, they tend to be more excited than they've ever been before. I can't believe I've been waiting all of my life for this time. I know this. I was made for this time. It's not a time to be afraid. It's time for us to allow. Jesus told us, you are the light of the world. So when, when unprecedented darkness is beginning to encompass the earth, there's, it's time for unprecedented light to begin to shine forth from God's people. You have to fight for your personal altar time with the Lord. I'm calling every one of you to that. Every one of you, do not wait for Sunday to come get your weekly fix. You need to get your daily impartation from the presence of the Lord. Okay? And I want to challenge every one of you. Spend your time with the Lord. Uh, spend your time opening the Word. Uh, getting into worship. Spending time at your altar. Spending time in prayer. Take communion daily. Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. That's how he taught us to pray. Receive the bread of heaven and the, and the, and the uh, new covenant in his blood on a daily basis. You need life daily at another level. Amen? Every one of us has that opportunity. When you succumb to fear and the desires of your flesh, you are choosing darkness over light. There's going to be some radical warriors in this place that are going to be demonstrating what true commitment looks like. What it means to consecrate yourself to God's call and purpose for your life. It's, it's going to be notable. I'm, I'm just telling you that. I, I think there's going to be some young people in this race begin to grow up, begin to rise up that will put some of us older ones to shame and we're like, you know what? I thought I knew what commitment was. I knew what it meant to lay my life down. I knew what it meant. I thought I knew what it meant to surrender. But these guys are doing it at a level that is challenging me. Amen? I want to I see our young people get a passion to defeat the powers of darkness and let us take them to the nations of the world and change their world. Amen? I want to I see some of us engaged in that preparation of an army that will shake nations. There are incredible promises to those who turn from fear, surrender to their kingdom assignments. It says, the Gentiles shall come to your light, kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see, they all gather together, they come to you. Your sons shall come from afar and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant and your heart shall swell with joy because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. 
And verse 7 says, They shall ascend with acceptance on my altar, and I will glorify the house of my glory. That's what God has for us. And, and I'm, I, uh, I want to challenge every one of us to allow the Lord to connect us to our kingdom assignment in this day. This is not a time for us to be hunkering down for survival. It's not time for that. This is time to be making major kingdom advances and to press into the presence and the glory of God that we get to take the nations and shake nations with. This is not, there's, this is not, uh, this, this, is, this is a time for us to find our place in the body of Christ. You know, two weeks ago, I think it was, on a Sunday night, I became a true Anabaptist. I was uh, sprinkled when I was in my early 20s. I became a member of a church. I don't consider that a baptism. Because nothing changed except that I, my head got wet. And I became a member of a religious institution. But a few years later, when I got born again, I, I was immersed in, in obedience to the voice of the Lord. I did it again in obedience to the voice of the Lord. And I said, you know, if my first baptism was a crossing of the Red Sea, I believe this one was a crossing of the Jordan. And there's something, and if you remember what happened after Joshua took the, the army of Israel across Jordan, first thing that happened, they were circumcised. There's a circumcision going deep in my heart right now. There's something that is cutting so deep inside of me. And I know it's a preparation for the battles in the land of our inheritance that's in front of us. It's our kingdom destiny and purpose. And I want to challenge every one of you. Find uh, and surrender and, and, and spend time with the Lord and connect to his kingdom assignment for you. And it's not an independent assignment. I can promise you that. This, the army does not function independently. People do not function independently. They become a team. They become an army. And there's a baptism together into a body that every one of us needs to experience. Uh, and uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, it says we are all baptized into one, by one spirit, we're all baptized into one body. I actually believe that is a spiritual baptism that every one of us get to encounter, experience in the Holy Spirit. So when he immerses us together in a body and we begin to realize that we are all family, we're all connected, we're all part of one body, and, and the, the, the level of passion and love that you have for your natural family is only a glimpse of that. Because this family is eternal. Your natural family is temporary. Your, God's family is an eternal family. And when he baptizes us together into that family, we will have the same testimony that the early church did when they said, look how they love each other. They laid down their lives for each other because of the life of Jesus that was in every one of them. That's, I'm looking forward to that because I believe we're going, to, we're going to get to experience that and we're going to experience life more abundantly as we come into that. Amen? I should probably have an altar call right now. But if you, if, you, if you have it in your heart to ask the Lord, Lord, bring me to a deeper surrender. I want to surrender my life. I want to consecrate my life to your purpose in a greater way. 
I'm making a commitment to get more radical in my pursuit of you. I want you to stand. I want to pray with you. Because I just feel the fire of God on this, on this message for God's people right now. Father, I just thank you right now. And Chrissy, I know you're standing up on the inside. I can see it. Father, I ask that the fire of God would fall on your sons and daughters in this place. I ask, Lord, that a call to a radical missions lifestyle would reverberate in every one of our hearts. That we would realize this is not just for a few who go far away, but it's for every one of us to lay down our life in complete surrender to you, to surrender to your call, to your assignment, to however we fit together into this army that you're raising up in our generation. I ask, Lord, that the region around us would know that we are here would feel the impact of your presence in this place and in our lives. And every neighborhood that we live in, that that the principalities and powers that have influenced those neighborhoods would begin to shake and tremble at the impact of the presence of your glory on every one of your sons and daughters in Jesus' name. Would you raise up a warrior heart in every one of us, Lord, that we would shake off this passivity that has crippled our tribe for too long, that has crippled the Western church for too long, that we have turned our cheek to the enemy, which is okay, but not when the enemy is the enemy, is the devil and his strongholds and demons of darkness. We refuse to be passive anymore to the powers of darkness that have kept God's people in captivity. We ask, Lord, that you would raise up kingdom warriors in this place, that we would find our sword, that we would find our voice, that we would find our anointing, that we find the place where we're called to function, and that we would begin to march together as a, as a team that is joined, fitly joined together by your spirit, and that you would raise up powerful kingdom leaders and warriors in this place that are fitly joined together and are able to lead teams of warriors to the nations and impact nations with the gospel of the kingdom. We thank you for that, Lord. We give you praise. Lord, I ask that every one of us would begin to realize what our assignment is now and what it's leading to for the future. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I ask that every young person in this place would get a touch of missions in their heart whether they're called as to, to long-term as missionaries or not, that they would get a touch of what it is to, ter- to carry something significant to the nations and to see it impact others. In Jesus' name, I give you the glory for that, Father. Amen.